Welcome to our podcast. So what do you think? The podcast where we chat about the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with friends, family, and loved ones. We laugh. The labor where they wash up. Then we wash, wash up. I'm from Missouri, so y'all leave me alone. She really needs to wash questions about the Bible, faith, God, and everything in between. Welcome to So What Do You Think? Take a load off, get comfy, and stay a while. Hey everyone, this is Robert. I'm just uh, here this week. We are going to get back into Genesis. Missy has taken the week off and probably napping right about now, uh, so we shouldn't disturb her. Maybe we should disturb her. That would be fun, wouldn't it? We'll give her a call. Anyway, no. Uh, so, anyway, she's taking the week off, and I'll be doing finish, trying to finish up Genesis 3. There's a lot of information here. Uh, we were in Genesis 3 and finished up with 8 through 10, which is kind of where I'm going to start so that we'll have a little background on where we're going to go from there. Uh, I'm going to move pretty fast because I'd like to try to get as much done as we can today and then move on to a different subject. There's a lot of stuff in Genesis the first three chapters of Genesis kind of set the stage for the rest of the Bible. If you want to know where to find the origins of a lot of the materials that you see throughout the, the Old and New Testament, you can find it usually in Genesis. So we're going to talk about what we finished up with last week, which was Genesis 3, 8 through 10. This was kind of the last part of the subject, so I'm going to read what we have here, and that way we can, um, and then we'll move on from there. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. We can only speculate what this means because God is God. He knows everything, so he should know where they are, correct? Anytime there's a physical appearance of God, the triune God on earth, theologians say that this is Jesus. You can see in verse 8 it says, Lord God walking. So this would be the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The second part of the Trinity, uh, as he is walking in the garden, he realizes he no longer is connected to Adam. He no longer has the same relationship with Adam. Adam's nature Adam's nature has changed. Not God's nature. Adam's nature has changed. So what is that? What kind of implications do we have there? There's a lot. We talked about a lot about it last week. And if you want to hear more, go back to last week's 
um, podcast and you can you can hear the end of that because I'm going to move on to verses 3 and it's going to be 11 through 13 which is what we're going to do next. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So we have the blame game. Adam Adam said, she did it. Eve said, the serpent did it. Both of these statements are pointing the finger at God. Yes, I'm going to back that up and I'm going to say it again. Both of these statements are pointing the finger to God. The woman you gave me and the serpent you created did this. Guilt tends to hide itself, then tries to implicate others. So here's a question. Is all this God's fault? Why did he give Adam and Eve the choice to sin? That choice changed humanity forever. No choice, no sin. But also no choice, no love. God is love. Due to his nature, he had no choice but to give us choice. Because his nature's love, he chose to love us. He chose to give us choice. He chose to say, you can choose me, or you can choose the other way. And we see that practically in the garden, because what we see in the garden is we see two trees. And if you go back again and listen to some earlier podcasts, you'll you'll uh, hear us talking about the two different trees. Because the tree of the... Um, Knowledge of good and evil, and it's the tree of life. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is just that. Notice that the, the, the good and the evil are on the same tree. They're of the same fruit. They're of the same um, description, meaning, and in the long term throughout Scripture, that tree literally means the law. It actually means... Um, and following, again, through Scripture, you follow the, the lineage of the tree, you see the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the law. Think about what the law does. It teaches you right from wrong. It teaches you good from evil, so to speak. The tree of life is that of Christ. It's that of salvation. It's that of faith. It's that of freedom. And you see these played out in a different, just a couple of different um, scenarios when you talk, uh, get into Scripture when it comes to Hagar and Sarah. And the two lineages there, that of freedom and that of slave. Uh, and again, continues throughout history as the law becomes that. It becomes law, and you look at it and say good and evil. So can you actually do enough good to get yourself into heaven? And the answer, of course, is no, because it takes perfection. Uh, Jesus doesn't uh, give us the option of not being Perfect, because he gives us the option to be his. And once we are his, perfection is part of completion and part of being him. So, that being said, let's move on, because I could go on for a while do it, talking about that. So, the next thing that I want to get to is we're going to go to Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the livestock and more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will make enemies of you and the woman, 
and of your offspring and her descendants. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So the first part is pretty obvious. It looks as if the serpent may have been walking at that time. And as you heard my references earlier, I do believe that he was probably walking. because Only because of what happens right here. And that is that he is now being told he's going to crawl and he's going to be eating dust. The second part of this scripture is one of the very first uh, messianic prophecies in scripture. And you ask, what's that? Well, that's a scripture that points to our future Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. Notice it doesn't say his descendants, his, his descendants, as in plural. It says descendant. The last part of the scripture, many scholars believe, is describing Jesus' resurrection. So you're looking at something here that is uh, a messianic prophecy. And it describes one, not many. So that messianic prophecy uh, describes uh, Jesus coming out of the uh, uh, the grave, raise, being raised again, and to, to life. So let's move on to the next one, which is Genesis three sixteen. To the woman he said, "I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children. Yet your desire will be for your husband, and he shall rule over you." Something very important here, because we're going to get into it a lot in some of the stuff coming up. Something very important here, very important. I'm going to say it again, very important. The Jewish heritage and lineage actually come through Jewish women, not the men. I'm going to say it again. Jewish heritage and lineage actually come through Jewish women, not the men. And that's important because the Messiah comes through the Jews. God made that very clear very early that the Messiah will come through the Jews. Jewish heritage and lineage come through Jewish women, not men. Because of what we read in verse 15, it'll come to into play later in history in the birth of Jesus. You have to remember, Jesus was born of a woman, Mary. His father was not Joseph. His father was and is God, the Father, Holy Spirit. So, let's make something very, very, very clear, because there's religions out there that teach that God had sex with Mary, and that's where Jesus came from, and that is just not true. God is spirit his Holy Spirit did the work with Mary as the woman. Again, the Jewish lineage carrying the Messiah comes through a woman, not the men. And I'll tell you why in just a second. Maybe I will, if I can remember it. My memory's not as good these days. So, the Holy Spirit, along with Mary, birthed the Messiah. So I'm going to read something to you that you've read a bunch of times, but I want you to listen to it in the context of what I just said. This is Luke 1, 34 and 35. But Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. The Son of God was 
brought through a woman, a virgin, who was impregnated with, by the Holy Spirit. And again, let's point this out because this is just not, it is not a physical, the Holy Spirit, um, this was not a physical contact of sex as we know it. And here's why that's important. You ready? Let's see if we can get through this. Adam, as we talked about, listen to the last podcast, Adam himself brought sin into the world. Eve was the first to bite the fruit. Adam was the first to actually uh, disobey God. Sin came into the world. Our nature changed and our spirit died. Not a physical death as we just talked about, but a spiritual death. We died as a species. Our relationship with God was severed. So that nature, that sin nature that's in us, is passed down from generation to generation, from man to woman to child. And throughout history, that kind of same thing, man to woman to child, that's how kids are born. That's how we procreate. That's how we do what God intended us to do uh, and to populate the world. Well, until the birth of Christ. You want to know why the virgin birth is so important? This is why. That nature that goes from man through woman to child through the act of sexual contact did not happen in this in this situation. God himself, through his spirit, birthed the Son of Man. He is the first one born alive. His spirit was not dead because his nature was not the same as Adam's. He's the second Adam. The first Adam, through many died. Paul says this, through many died. Through the second Adam, many lived. And this is the important part. This is the crux of what we, as a, as a Christian group, believe, is that we know that the virgin birth is important, but sometimes maybe we just don't know why. Well, this is why. Uh, is that when we're looking at the uh, the the uh, when we're looking at the way Jesus was born and the the, the change that went through uh, with, with with his his nature not being that of a man's nature, his nature was that of God. So he was both one hundred percent man through the egg of woman and one hundred percent God through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So, yes, I know that's a lot. And yes, I ex- fully expect most of you to check it out. And you know what? I encourage you to. Because if you can find a flaw in some of that, I, I mean, if it's there, we need to, you know, take that next step and study it and understand it. Because what happened with the Holy Spirit and Jesus coming into the world was not just that it was an idea. Or that it was, uh, uh, you know, um, um, our magic is that we got to see the truth of it play out through his life where he had no sin and where he took on the sin of the world through uh, his, his, uh, through who he was and that the Holy Spirit was able to take that on. And when he died on the cross, all that sin died with him. And when he rose again, everything that he said, everything that he did was proved true. It wasn't a question because resurrection completed the cycle of what God wanted to do. And he was able at that point to take all the sin on himself because he had no sin of his own. So 
That's a lot, I know. But if you need to, let's listen to it again. Let's talk about it. If you got questions, please, please, please send them in. You can send them to our website or to our uh, uh, email address, and we will be happy to to uh, talk about it and a- answer any questions. But right now, we're going to move to the next thing, which is Genesis three seventeen through nineteen. Then Adam, then to Adam he said, which is God speaking, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, "You shall not eat from it." Cursed is the ground because of you. With hard labor you shall eat from it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, that you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. Um, so here's a, I'm going to change just a little, a little bit because we had a discussion about Christ. And uh, so here's here's what I, I think I'm going to throw in on this part. And most of you will know the scripture I'm talking about and probably can quote it. And that's John three sixteen. So I'm going to quote it and you can say it yourself if you want. For God so loved the world that he uh, gave his only begotten sons so that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. So I'm going to do a part of this scripture because it comes to... Genesis 3 here and what he says to Adam. So if you take John 3, 16 and just the first part of it, and it's for God so loved the world, read in Greek, and I'm just, I'm going to use the important words. Not all of them are going to be Greek. For Theos so agape, agapo, the cosmos, which is for God so loved the world. The key word that I want to focus on here is cosmos. Because when it the it, it, the word cosmos, which is literally interpreted the world or world, literally, I, I use literally twice. Can you mean that? Can you believe that? Literally means creation or order of things. You see, when Adam sinned, all of creation was cursed. When Jesus gave his life and then rose again, it was for all of mankind and all of creation. You can read through Scripture as Paul talks about. And here it is in Romans 8, verses 19 and 22. For the, for we eagerly awaiting, no, wait, try it again. For the eagerly awaiting creation waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set from its slavery, set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. When Adam sinned, he had the authority at that time over the world. Over creation. Let's just back up and call it creation. Over creation. God gave him that authority. When he, when he sinned and listened to the serpent, he abdicated that authority of creation to the serpent, to Satan. And he said, but just by doing what he did, he said, this is now yours. And what happened was creation fell at that point. It was not Supposed to be this way. God did not create it to be this way. He created us to, uh, to relate to Him. 
And when the fall happened, not only did we were we not able to cre- uh, relate to him, but creation itself fell and fell under the authority of the evil one. And when that happened, authority was again was uh, Adam gave up his authority, and he said, "This is uh, this is yours now." Uh, so the world was subjected; the creation was subjected to suffering, as we see, because we can see it all over the place. This is not, oh. Uh, you know, that we're, uh, that it's blind to us, we absolutely can see where this is happening uh, throughout the world. So, next. Genesis 3, 20 through 21, 20 and 21. Now the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Um, I'm going to read what I've got here, and then I'll come back and I'll make, make some comments because I found a couple of things really interesting. Uh, so this would really be the second messianic prophecy in the, this part of Genesis. Here Yahweh God took animal skins and then made clothes to cover Adam and Eve's nakedness and shame. Here is the perfect picture of blood covering man's sin. And this is a foreshadowing of the sacrificial system that God puts in place later in Jewish history. And then Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I think that one of the things uh, that we look at here is if we look back, Adam and Eve, when they first, uh, again, toward the end of, I believe it was chapter, or beginning of chapter 3, they realized that they were naked. And they realized and they were ashamed of uh, who they were and why they, why they were naked. They were ashamed of the fact that they had uh, been in a, uh, they basically abdicated their authority to the, uh, to the enemy. So they were ashamed and they hid from God. And what did they do? All of you know, you've heard the story, you've seen the pictures, blah, blah, blah. They ran and immediately took leaves from a fig tree and covered themselves in their naked parts. Um, and, so they took a plant, not, uh, let's just say it this way, not necessarily an acceptable sacrifice to cover their sin and shame. But it covered their body parts, but it did not cover their sin, their nakedness and their shame. It, 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 uh, again, they were still laid bare before God. They were still in their, uh, their nature had changed. Yes, they covered their body parts, but it did not cover their shame or what they have done uh, with the serpent and the fruit and then and abdicating their authority to that of the serpent. So what did God do? Um, and again, you, you, throughout, you probably have had pastors and, and teachers that you've heard before say God can't be in the presence of sin, but I believe that this scripture pretty much makes that obsolete. Why? Because he's in the presence of Adam and his wife. Sin has now come into their hearts. Their their nature has now changed. They are now capable of something they were not capable of before their disobedience. Uh, capable of is a pretty strong, and you know we could get into a debate and discussion about whether that's um, even what we're talking about. Um, they were obviously capable of it, considering they did it. Uh, so it's, you know, it's just a way of phrasing the, the wording. But, um, many say that God can't be in the presence of sin. So you have to, uh, uh, you know, you have to repent and God will then, you know, come in, 
be a be a part of your life. Uh, the problem with that again is that we read something different here in chapter three. Now, what God did is He stepped in and said, "It's going to take a blood sacrifice to change what you've done." He just the, the words aren't here. This I'm 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 paraphrasing, basically adding words to what this this is saying. I've got a, and he lays out for us, this is how it's going to look. When I say the word foreshadowing, that means it's something that's happening in the past, but it's showing what's going to happen in the future. So you look at foreshadowing as in a blood sacrifice, as in the, the, what the altar does for the, the Jews during their, the Old Testament, and then what Jesus did on the cross. This was a blood sacrifice for sin. So God said, this is what I'm doing. I'm now going to take and I'm going to cover your shame, and I'm going to cover your nakedness. And what he had to do here, and it says it right there, he took a skin. He means he killed an animal and he covered them. He covered their nakedness, he covered their shame, and he covered it in blood. So, anyway, could be questions with that. Same thing. Just if you got questions, send them on. We'll be happy to talk through them. If, uh, <clears throat> Um, if, uh, if not, then we will move on to the next one. And you know, we might actually get finished this week. Cause I'm, I'm at, uh, Genesis, uh, 3, 22 through 24. Uh, so we're winding up chapter 3. And hopefully you've gotten a lot out of this. Once I finish up Genesis, we need to find some new subjects. There's so much in this Genesis though. The first three chapters, just if you stay and go beyond that, there's a, there's a lot actually that goes on. This is the history beginning. And this is where we look at. That's basically what Genesis mean is the beginning. So if you want to know again how, if you find something in scripture that you have a question about, go back and look because you most likely will find the answer somewhere back there in, uh, at the beginning of, uh, the, the book, the Old Testament. Okay. So Genesis 3, 20 through 20. <laughs> Try again. Genesis 3, verse 22 through 24. Yay. He did it. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Okay, wait, sorry. Then the Lord God said, Behold, don't you? I, 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 this, I found this so this fascinating because it is the triune God talking to himself as three people. He is one. He is three. So with that, he's having this discussion really with himself. So listen, listen to this. And if you've read it before, don't bypass it so quickly because there's a lot of good stuff here. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out with his hand and take fruit also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out in the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So, you have to wonder, why did God do this? Going to back to what I originally said as we started, God is love. He loves us enough to not let us self-destruct. Can you imagine living forever in this fallen world? With the sin nature, the anger, the disappointment, murder, lust. We may know good and evil, but agape love only comes from God. So it's through him, by him, and for him that he removed us from the garden. 
The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, again, is the law or bondage. The tree of life is freedom in Jesus. So, that ends chapter 3. We'll move on to something else pretty soon, but I guess I, I want to ask. Uh, Missy usually ends here with a with a prayer, and I'm going to do that here. But I got to ask: Is where do you stand in the, all this? When you hear these words, are you uh, are you scared? You know, does the love nature of God terrify you, or does it bring you hope? Because if you know him, it should bring you hope. If you don't, the world around you is going to scare you. You see stuff and you look at it and you go, wow, that's just terrifying. I don't know what's going to happen. But if you know him, it's not about what's happening around you. It's about what's happening in you. If your nature has changed because God's come to live inside you and he has redeemed you and he has brought you into his own, then you are his. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing the world can do to change that. He's glorified himself in you. And he loves you. And he can't wait to brag about you. He can't wait to hear and say your name when you come to him. All the angels will rejoice. All of heaven will scream. But when the creator, the savior, the one who gave his life and rose again for you and for me, says your name, you need to listen. I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to this and you have not heard him say your name in your spirit, in your heart, you need to listen because he's calling your name. It's not about those who are special, those who are chosen. We're all chosen. The question is, are you choosing him? And if you're choosing him, then you got a chance right now to pray and have him come live inside you and know him in a way you've never known him before and to realize that this world is not made for you. This world is a place for you to come to grow and come to know him better and how to uh, you know to 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 be obedient to what he's calling you to, which is him. It's always going to be Him. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you're afraid of. It doesn't matter where you're going or what what part of life you're in. If he if you're in pain, He's calling you back to Himself. If you're His already, then whatever's going on in your life is about Him. Turn it back to Him because He wants to know you. And He wants to know you in a way that you know Him through that love. He loved you even though you are a sinner. And you were a sinner. He know, He loved you anyway and died for you. So, here's your chance. Say this prayer. It's really, really, really simple. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Change me from my sin. Grow me to be yours. Amen. It's really that simple. Just say the words. The words aren't really magic. They're not magic. What am I saying? Aren't really magic. The words aren't magic. This isn't about what I say. I can't touch you and heal you. He can. His healing isn't always physical. His healing is spiritual. He wants to know you and wants you to know him in a way you've never known him before. So, thank you. Love you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening.
listening. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Are you interested in listening to more episodes? Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, and Spotify. Do you have a question you'd like us to chat about? Email us at swduthink at gmail.com. 